Have you ever been to a play or a drama production? The scene ends and the curtains close. And you can tell something is going on behind the curtains. There's activity. You can't see what's taking place, but you know things are happening back there. You kind of see the curtains move. Scenery has changed. Props are removed and brought in. And actors are getting into place. And every now and then when that happens, somebody bumps the curtain and it it peeks open just a little and then you can actually see and watching everything that's taking place that ever happened well that is exactly what's happening in Daniel chapter 10 we're going through a sermon series through the book of Daniel entitled the ancient of days uh, we're looking at at uh, one chapter per Sunday and for the first six chapters, Daniel was historical. Uh, God's people were overrun by Babylon, and four Hebrew teenagers, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were uprooted, taken to Babylon in a different culture, an ungodly culture, and they lived out their faith, and they never compromised. And that's a great lesson for us in a culture that's sometimes different to the faith. And so they never compromised. That's the first six chapters. But then we get to chapter 7. And 7 through 12 of Daniel is one vision, one dream after another that Daniel has. We saw on Easter Sunday, he had a vision of, of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, high and lifted up, and all dominion was given to him. And now we, we saw then chapters 8 and 9, Daniel had more visions and dreams, and, and we come to chapter 10 and something's a little different. God allows us to, to pull back, or he pulls back the, the spiritual realm and allows us to peek in to see what's going on, and Daniel gets to see it. It's fascinating, but it's frightening. Because what Daniel sees is a spiritual world where battles are going on over you. It's frightening. There was a Dutch theologian a while back by the name of Abraham Kuyper. In fact, he was prime minister for a while. Abraham Kuyper said, quote, If God ever pulled back the curtains into the spiritual world... And it came into view for you. It would expose such spiritual vision and struggle so intense and so convulsive and so sweeping in its range that the fiercest battle on earth would seem like a child's game. The real contest is waged up there, not here. Our earthly struggles pale in comparison. He's right. Let's read a portion of what Daniel saw when the curtain was pulled back. Verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. I've been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, 
For from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia came to make you understand what it is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Let's look at this. First of all, letter A on your outline, the background of the vision. Here's what was going on. If you remember, I talked about God's people had sinned against God there in Israel, and God told them, I'm going to bring judgment upon you unless you repent. They did not repent. So Babylon came in and invaded Jerusalem, invaded Israel. Nothing is left. The temple is burned. All the cities are burned. Buildings are are burned and charred to the ground, just lying there in rubble. The fields are stripped. You can't grow anything. And God's people were uprooted and moved to Babylon to live as slaves. God sent prophets to them in Babylon, told them, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you're going to eventually get to go back home to Israel. The bad news is it's not tomorrow. It's going to be a while. It's going to be almost 70 years. And sure enough, after 67 years, Persia overtook Babylon. King Cyrus is the new king, and he had a different policy with his subjects, those that were slave to him. He thought the, the happier you make them, the better off you are because they, they'll not rebel against you. And so he said, if you want to go back to Israel and live, you can do that. So he, he made an edict in 538 B.C. that all the Israelites could go back home and just like God had promised, they could all return to their homeland. It was a glorious day for Israel, right? No. Because surprisingly, the Jews didn't go back. They didn't want to. Oh, a few of them did. They were called a remnant. Most of the Jews stayed where they were. Why? A couple of reasons. One, when you go back, what is there to go back to? Nothing. The buildings are burned. The temples burned. The, you can't grow anything to live. So how do you live if you go back? You have to rebuild everything and some of them said ha not worth it and the others got comfortable in Babylon and they just wanted to stay isn't it amazing how comfortable we get in our dysfunction I mean we can get out of it we can we can go to the Lord but many people I just stay where I am and complain about my dysfunction and they just stay there Isn't it it amazing how quickly we become comfortable with sin and just stay? Well, this grieved Daniel. He was grieved that God made a way for his people to go back to the promised land, and they wouldn't do it. Now, Daniel didn't go back. He made that decision because two reasons. He's 84 years old. And second of all, uh, he felt like he could make a, make a greater impact for the Lord Jesus Christ being a Jew in Persia as a high-ranking official rather than going back and trying to physically help them rebuild. So he stayed to help the Jewish people there. 
But it grieved them that they wouldn't go back. And so chapter 10 opens. Chapter 10 is a unique chapter. And here's how it starts. Daniel's writing, and he said it was the third year after King Cyrus had made the edict that they could return. It's been three years now. And most of them hadn't gone back, and it grieved me. And my heart was so heavy that I went down to the Tigris River and I prayed. I, I took a few men with me and we went down to the Tigris River to pray. And, and, and I fasted and I prayed before the Lord and I poured out my heart. For 21 days I prayed. I didn't eat anything but bread and water. For 21 days I didn't eat meat. I didn't, didn't eat delicacies. I didn't drink any wine. I, bread and water for 21 days. In fact... I didn't even bathe for 21 days. I was mourning so much. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were so broken over your sin? You didn't bathe, you didn't eat, you didn't drink. It's been a while, hadn't it? You see, our, our sin doesn't break us like it broke Daniel. Or the sins of our people, they don't break us like they broke Daniel. And he said, 21 days, just prayed. Because his heart was broken. And he said on the 24th day, if you go to letter B on your outline, Daniel's vision, verses 5 to 21, 24th day something happened. I've been praying 24 days now. And I looked up and I saw a vision of a man standing there. He's majestic. His whole body shimmered like a jewel and it was transparent reflecting all the glory of heaven and I, I I could hardly look and he had a long robe it went from it went from his neck all the way down to his feet long and white and he had a gold waist a gold belt around his waist and it it looked like pure gold from Upaz. he was majestic now the long white robes, the, the priests wore those in Israel. The golden belt, we don't, we don't know where Upaz was. We know where Ophira was. That's where a lot of gold in southern Arabia, northern Africa, possibly India. But we don't know where Upaz never been discovered yet. The name means refined gold. But Daniel knew. And he said, I'm looking and this man is up there. My, my, my mouth falls open. And he's so majestic, his, his body is just shimmering like a jewel and, and his face is like lightning bolts and his, his eyes are like flaming torches and his arms and legs like burnished brass. And, and whenever he spoke, his words were like cascading waters that just ran down when he, every time he spoke a word. Have you ever been around water? This is just boiling and the, the sound of it and he said i was the only one who saw the vision there were some other men standing in there they were praying with me but i i was the only one that saw the vision and, and but they heard it 
and they heard it there's so so much so their bodies begin to tremble at the vision that I was seeing and, and they trembled so much they became afraid and the men around me ran and hid and I'm standing there all by myself who does that sound like Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road He's on the road and, and, and he sees a vision and the men around him hear it and, and they, they, don't, they don't see it, they hear but they don't see it. And, and Saul sees Jesus and it's similar to that. And Daniel is standing there. He said, I was left all by myself. And whenever I saw this man, he was so glorious, I, I went limp. And I had no strength. My face lost its color. He uses the word machkith in, in Hebrew, which, which literally means the, the paleness of death on the face. And it means a contorted face. My face was contorted and, and it went white and I had no, no strength. And I immediately when I saw this man, I fell face down and I fainted. And I couldn't get up because I had no strength at all. His glory sapped me. And I was lying there face down and he walked over, the man did it, and he touched my shoulder and he said, Daniel, get up, I need to talk to you, get up. And he said, he got me up on all fours, I was on my knees and on my hands, but he said I was shaking so bad I couldn't stop. Who was this? Jesus? No. It was an angel. Just an angel? Yes. You see, folks, the heavenly beings are so much greater than us. One look at them, you'll faint on your face. Lose your strength. Can't speak. Imagine seeing Jesus. He's higher than the angels. You know, humans, we, we get so cavalier about the, the, other, the other world. Oh, I'm going to kick back in heaven and me and the angels, we're going to be buds and we're going to hang out. No, you're going to see them and fall on your face. Because humanity is nothing before the angels and nothing before God Almighty. Now, in our culture, everything's anthropocentric. It is human-centered. It's what we think. It's what we want. It's what we, it's what we're, we feel like we're, we're born to do. It's, what, it's who we need to be. Be yourself. And everything's centered around you. But, folks, it's not that way in heaven. It's, it, everything down here is, well, it's me. and what I do with my body. is my business. And it's all about us. But in the heavenly realm, one glimpse of one heavenly being, and you're on your face because you're nothing and I'm not either. He fell down, he said, like I was dead. And the angel walked up and said, Get up, Daniel, get up. I need to talk to you. And he said, I got up on all fours. And he said, Daniel, voice just cascading like water coming at me. He said, Daniel, you are greatly loved. And remember, he told him that in chapter 9 last Sunday. He tells him again in chapter 10, you are greatly loved. Daniel in heaven, you have the reputation of being loved by God. And the word he uses there, ish hemodut, in Hebrew literally means precious of God. 
Wow, that's his reputation. Whenever heaven hears the name Daniel, oh, that's the one God loves. It's a reputation in heaven. So let me ask you a question. What is your reputation in heaven? Your name goes forth. Greg Ammons. What do the angels say? What's your reputation? Do you know that you have one? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the one that, um, yeah, they say they're for us, but they're not. I go to church on Sundays, but <laughs> is that your reputation? Oh, yeah, that, that's the one that complains all the time. Yeah, they're a big gossip. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's the one. They, they get their feelings hurt very easily, and they stop going to church. Is that your reputation in heaven? What is it? But did you know not only do you have a reputation in heaven, did you know that you have a reputation in hell? The demons know about you. And they talk about you. Where do you get that? Well, if you remember Acts chapter 19, Paul is casting out demons. And some priests saw the power that Paul had when he used the name Jesus. And so they tried it. They were called the seven sons of Sceva. They thought, we'll try it. Work for Paul, we'll try it. And so they tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. And the demon popped out and attacked them and said, Jesus we know and Paul we know. But who in the world are you? So the demons know Paul? Yeah. So when your name's mentioned in hell, what do they say? So the angel said, Daniel, we hear your name. You are greatly loved. Precious man of God. And he said, he walked over and he touched my shoulder. And he said, get up. And he said, I, I got up. But I was still so weak, I was trembling. I could hardly stand on my feet. And he said, Daniel, I, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to understand it. These words are true. Now, I believe the reason he told Daniel these words are true is because they're going to sound um, not true. They're going to sound like a fairy tale, but hang with me. Daniel, the, these words are true. I need to tell you something. I am here because you prayed. You've been praying for 24 days. And the very first day, the very first word you spoke, as soon as you humbled yourself before God, we heard you. But I couldn't get here until now. I've been delayed 24 days. But I made it. And I'm here because of your words. Stop for a moment. Friends, prayer matters. 
He was there because Daniel prayed. I'm here because of your words. So many times people say, well, pastor, what difference does it make? Why even pray? What's going to be is going to be. Why even pray? God knows what's going to happen. Why even pray? Well, first of all, you're wrong. What's going to be is not going to be. Prayer changes circumstances. And, and second of all, prayer does matter. He tells us to pray. Angels, come at your words. The angel kept talking and it started getting strange. Now listen to what he said. Daniel, I, I was trying to come earlier, but I was delayed for 21 days. I heard you and I was trying to get there, but a demon grabbed me. The demon of the country of Persia grabbed me threw me to the ground and we started wrestling and we've been wrestling for 21 days I was trying to get to you and he was trying to stop me and finally Michael the archangel the highest of all the angels came down there and assisted me and got the demon away from me and I finally made it okay now hold on a second wait a minute does do these things happen Do, do you try to pray and, and God is going to send help, but a demon hinders it? That sounds like something a preacher made up, but it's, it's in the Bible. It's what the angel told Daniel. And so the picture was a fallen angel under Satan's control. They were called a prince. It means the word demon caused a 21-day delay, day delay in Daniel's prayer being answered. John Wilward said about this passage, quote, There appears to be unseen struggles between angels and demons behind the political and social conditions of the world. End quote. The demon was over Persia. He had been assigned to the country to keep it from doing God's will. Really? Boy, wouldn't you love to see that on CNN? Anderson Cooper, AC360, we have a special guest here. And you say that the reason the countries are in the shape they're in around the world is because of demons? Oh, boy, that'd get a laugh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you love to see this on Fox News? Tucker Carlson, that'd be good that night, wouldn't it? Rachel Maddow, show on MSNBC. We have a guest here saying North Korea and Ukraine and Russia all have Demons? Oh, they'd get a laugh. That's what Daniel tells us. The demon of Persia grabbed me and wouldn't let me go. So evidently, this good angel had been sent to Persia to try to hinder the demon of Persia he got the commission to go to Daniel by the Tigris because he was praying and he tried to break loose and the demon wouldn't let him. And Michael came and freed him and here he is. 
And Daniel was unaware of all that. I wonder, I wonder what you're unaware of in the spiritual realm that's going on around you. Wonder. A couple of thoughts I had in this, in this passage at this point. Let me stop for a moment. The first thought I had was that there's no any indication that Daniel needed to do anything. I know people today, oh, you better cast out that demon. You better cast out a demon of debt and cast out a demon against your marriage and cast out a, casting out demons everywhere. He, never, he was never told to cast out a demon. He was never told to do anything. This is just information. Daniel was never given a command. We're not given commands in the spiritual realm except put on your armor. That's it. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's all. We're never commanded to cast out anything. And the second thought was, maybe that's the reason some of your prayers have not been answered. And maybe that's why Jesus told us to be persistent in prayer. You remember Jesus said, Luke chapter 18, he said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, don't give up, keep praying, don't give up. And Daniel for 24 days thought prayer wasn't working. And finally on the 24th day, he saw the vision and the angel arrived. And maybe that's why you need to just keep praying and keep praying and keep being persistent. That's what we're told to do. Here's Daniel's response, verse 15. I heard the demon tell me this. I'm standing there trembling, and I heard the demon talking about what happened and how he wanted to come and how he was greatly loved and, and how the demon wouldn't let him. And he said, I heard all of this, and I fell on my face again. I fainted, and there was no strength in my body and my breath left. I couldn't breathe. And someone that looked like a child of man walked over and touched me. Second time he's been touched. He touched me and says, Daniel, get up. He strengthened me. He said, I got up and my lips returned. And I looked up and I said, oh, God, I can't handle this vision. It's too much. Oh, God, I'm in pain. And the word he uses for pain is used three times in the Old Testament for childbirth. God, I'm in, I'm in labor pains. Lord, I, I have no breath. I have no strength. God, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. And collapsed again. And for the third time, the angel walked over and says, Daniel, Get up. I wonder. I wonder if God sends angels to you to strengthen you. He did to Jesus. You remember when he was being tempted in the garden in Luke chapter 4? I'm not rather tempted in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. And do you remember that after 40 days he resisted the devil? And the Bible said, and angels came and ministered to him. And then if you go to the Garden of Gethsemane right before his death in Luke chapter 22, if you remember carefully, it says that Jesus is there praying and an angel came and strengthened him. 
I wonder if God sends angels to strengthen you. And the angel said, Daniel, you're greatly loved. Twice he told him that. Three times in two chapters. So don't be afraid. Be at peace. Be of good courage. Be strong. Because you're about to see something that's the greatest vision of all. Chapters 11 and chapters 12. The vision for the end times that ties into Revelation. The greatest of all visions he's been given that will tell us what's going to happen at the end times. And those are the two chapters I'll cover in the next two Sundays. The greatest vision is yet to come. And then the demon said something interesting. Or the angel said something interesting. Daniel, i got to go. I'm going back to Persia. Me and that demon are going to wrestle again. I'm going back to Persia, and I'm sure he'll oppose me, and we'll get after it again, and I'm sure I'll need Michael to join me, but we're going back at it. And then after I wrestle him, I'm going over to Greece and wrestling the demon of Greece. You can read it. It's in the end of chapter 10. We'll see you. What? The curtains peek back just a little. What do we learn from this? I think the first thing that we learn is spiritual powers are real. Folks, you have an enemy that tries every day to stop you. He tries to get you to drink things you shouldn't drink. He tries to get you to take things you shouldn't take. He tries to get you to look at things on the Internet you shouldn't look at. An enemy is very real out there, and he tries his best he can to get you off your track every day. If you remember the book C.S. Lewis wrote, The Screwtape Letters, it's an imaginary book, and it's a conversation that takes place in hell. And the demons are talking. And there's one senior demon by the name of Screwtape. And his nephew is a junior demon. And he's training the junior demon how to be a good demon. And how to affect you, Christians. And in one section of the book, Screwtape says to the Wormwood, his nephew, if you do one thing, it'll keep the Christians tripped up. Convince them that the devil's not real. Keep them, keep him in their minds being a caricature, having a pointed tail and, and horns and a pitchfork and red tights. Keep him a comic book character. And as long as you do, they'll not think he's real because the greatest power we have is when they think he's not real. That's right. So be aware of the spiritual powers around you every day. Here's the second lesson we learn. God does not leave you on your own. If you're a believer today, God sends help. He'll not leave you on your own. Now, this morning, if there's never been a time in your life you prayed to receive Christ, you are on your own. Good luck. But if you're, if you're saved, He doesn't leave you on your own. Listen to what Gleason Archer said. 
It isn't it encouraging to know God has mighty champions among the angels who was there and their task is, or who are there, and their task is to defend us against the attacks of the evil one. Praise God. Mighty champions in your defense. He doesn't leave you by yourself. Third lesson we learn, prayer matters. Keep after it. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Prayer matters. And number four, last lesson we learn, God honors and loves a person who simply wants to serve him. That's all. And I love Daniel. I love Daniel's heart. Daniel's heart is for God and his people. Daniel doesn't ask for anything for himself. He, he's there just because he loves God and wants to serve him. And God loves and honors those people whose only desire is to serve him. The story is told of Franklin Roosevelt whenever he was the president of the United States. He had a, he had a close friend who stayed with him most of the time. His name is Harry Hopkins. Here's a picture of Roosevelt and Harry Hopkins together. What's interesting is that Hopkins had no official position. He was not a cabinet member. He, he, he was not an advisor. He didn't have any particular role. He was just there because Roosevelt wanted him to be there. And so people in Washington couldn't figure it out. Who is this guy? Is he trying to influence the president? Is, and so there were all kind of sinister stories about Harry Hopkins. And all of Washington was talking, what does he want from the president? What's he trying to do? What interest group is he for? And everyone was talking, and finally one day somebody asked the president, why do you have Harry Hopkins around? Listen to what he said. He said, if you were the president of the United States, you would understand. Everybody who walks through my door wants something from me. And Hopkins is the only man I know who asked for nothing but to serve. I want him here. And I wonder if God in heaven hears me pray what I want, what I want, what I want over and over, a long list of what I want you to do for me. It, can I just show up and say, God, I don't need anything today. You bless me. I want to serve. I just want to serve. I don't need anything. When's the last time you've said that? That kind of person, reputation across heaven, you are greatly loved. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your word. And God, it's an interesting chapter. We don't really know what to make of all of it. We're human. But Father, I'm so thankful that you are much more glorious than an, even an angel you've created. Help us to know our place. Father, it is, it is my prayer that we would, we would serve you. Lord, it, it's nothing wrong with asking for you to help us and asking for our request. But Lord... May we be the kind of people that approach you and say, Father, I just want to serve. I just want to be of help somehow for you to use me. And may we do that and may we be people greatly loved. Father, thank you for sending angels to help us and empower us. And Lord, I just pray even this week as we go out to live for you in the spiritual realm, oh, Father, may you send champions among the angels to Empower and strengthen us. 
And may the victory be won this week. In Jesus' name.